0: Hi, everyone. Valerie here, and welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. This month, I was lucky enough to interview Ladies' Con 2017 and 2018 guest Kristen Gudsnick. On the night before this year's Ladies' Con, Kristen and I took some time to chat about her new book, Our Favorite Magical Girls, and the iconic Lady Foot Monster. So sit back, relax, and I'll let Kristen take it from here.
1: Hey, I'm Kristen Gudsnick. I'm a comic book writer and artist. I worked on Hench Girl and Modern Fantasy, both from Dark Horse and Making Friends from Scholastic.
0: And you're also a guest this year at Ladies Con. So Ooh. thanks for making time for us on Ladies Con Eve 2018. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. I'm very excited for Ladies Con. It's going to be your second year joining us. And it's a big year for you, too, because you have two new books this yep. year. <laughs> And I want to take an opportunity to sort of talk about those because we at Ladies of Kamikaze are such big fans of yours. We were really excited to see you with two projects, one where you're partnering with somebody and then another one that is your first standalone graphic novel. So let's talk about Making Friends because that is your first, would you say it's a middle reader? Yeah, middle grade. So where did you get the idea for Making Friends?
1: When I was little, I, I read some Chinese folk tale in third grade about this girl who, in my memory, was a girl. I looked it up later. It was definitely a boy, but I changed <laughs> it. Uh, a girl who gets a magical paintbrush and whatever she draws with it comes to life because she's such a good artist. She helps everyone and everything. And I just really locked on to the idea of that magical paintbrush. And I would just sit there and draw money in like the margins of my paper And just imagine what I would do if I had that kind of thing. And then after I got over that idea, realizing it would never, I couldn't counterfeit money. I mean, if I could, it's not worth $100 to draw a $100 bill. And then I was approached by Scholastic to send them a pitch. And I came back on that idea because I feel like when you're a kid, you want stuff and you can't have stuff. And also when I was in seventh grade. So, well, basically the idea is that it's about a girl who inherits a magical sketchbook and whatever she draws and it comes to life. Mm -hmm. So that's
0: kind of how it relates to the paintbrush thing. And at the same time, the main character, Danny is adjusting to middle school. Oh, yeah. She's trying to adjust. (laughs) (laughs) But so, yeah, I don't know. The,
1: The story was kind of just... And also, I don't want to like spoil all my themes. I always
0: go right to there. (laughs) Well, while I was reading it, you might have seen me post one of the pictures of one of the panels. And I was just like, this is so real. I think that the wish fulfillment need goes really well with that sort of transition part of your life when you're going from grade or grammar school to junior high. Yeah. Right? when you need the wish fulfillment to happen because everything else is going wrong. Right. Exactly. Because it's that horrible in-between time for a lot of people, right? And you're starting to learn about who you are. You just really want to fit in with the other kids. You want to be cool and you want to know where your place is in life. And you want the easiest possible way to get to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, most seventh graders aren't necessarily looking for real growth it's
0: just quick fix to be popular. and I think that's where I really related to the main character because I was like <laughs> if I had an easy out like that I think I would have not only done a lot of what she did but I probably even would have made those bad decisions that she makes
1: you always see things where characters are given this great opportunity to be terrible and then they don't use it and I just am always like man in real life I don't know if I would have that kind of moral courage or whatever I, I-, I think that in a way, certain parts of the book are almost like a metaphor for creating. And so okay. when you create, you can kind of make all the mistakes and everything. And so in the book, she uses a sketchbook to bring a imaginary friend to life, basically. And that's kind of like a metaphor for making
0: art and telling stories and stuff. Prince Neptune might possibly be... <laughs> My favorite thing that I've read this year (laughs) for a whole bunch of reasons. So like Hench Girl, this book, again, shows a lot of influence of the sort of magical girl genre. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And we've talked about this previously on the podcast when we had Mildred Lewis and we were talking about her Agents of the Realm series. I know she's amazing. But with you, what's so enjoyable about it is that you also do the whole thing where your character is flawed right and they think that becoming a magical girl is gonna make everything better (laughs) but it doesn't because surprise surprise like saving the world is really hard work (laughs) 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 and the sort of dramas in our heads that are really romantic when we're young and we don't know any better seem really great (laughs) And then when you have to deal with them in real life and you realize, oh, like having a boy who's totally obsessed with me and thinks I'm pretty and perfect and wonderful might not always work out. Yeah. I think it's (laughs) good in my head. Not all tortured boys are (laughs) Darian. Oh,
1: definitely. I think part of the reason I made him just a floaty head was because a part of maturity and adolescence is like being attracted to Others, and so I had to be just ahead because she was not ready
0: for that other, <laughs> any of the other stuff. Oh my gosh, I didn't guess. <laughs> Here I was just like, I mean, for me, I read it as, like, oh, Kristen's so hilarious. Like, no, it's just no. ahead because she just drew his head. <laughs> as
1: soon as I started writing it, because, but you spoiler know, at one part he does acquire a body yeah and I was just like man now he's such a threat to her I have to cool this down yeah and
0: that's actually a really good point is I think had were he not this sort of hilarious angst filled floating head <laughs> it creates a level of safety and I think that that is part of the appeal of characters like him, like when you're reading it, uh-huh. when you're reading these manga books and The Magical Girls, there's usually some guy involved. And, you know, it's really exciting and romantic to like read about these tortured characters because they're not threatening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you know <laughs> what I mean?
0: Because it's like, sure, they're a threat in the book, but they're really not going to be yeah, a threat to just you. Yeah, you dip your toe in, the, in this <laughs> scary voice. <laughs> so you get to be like, oh, yes, he's so tortured and wonderful. And then... Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> because who doesn't like drama when you're when you're young? Oh. Let's be honest. Yeah. So the magical girl stuff that you use Is it because you personally just really love the magical girl genre or is it because you just keep liking to use it because there's a certain kind of theme or message that you want to use?
1: (laughs) Well, two for two, my (laughs) two books that I wrote all have magical girl extreme subplots. I have to like, in fact, I should try not to put magical girls into everything that I write, but I just really love them. It's like the female power fantasy one. Yes. Superpowers are awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: I think for me, and I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, is that the other part of the magical girl trope that I really enjoy is that they're often team based.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Right?
0: That's not something that I remember seeing a lot of until I started getting into Magic Knight's Ray Earth. Like, you know, uh, it was a Magic Knight's Ray Earth. Like, I used to love that one too. And like Sailor Moon. And, you know, there would always be more than one and they were most powerful together. Yeah. When I was growing up, I was never like, oh, books about girls are bad. I
1: always liked that because I had seen many examples from anime and manga of stuff either written by a, a woman or starring female characters do you know what I mean? There was kind of a, a disconnect where in in like the olden days, <laughs> Western comics, they would all just be stuff that when I was a kid just didn't appeal to me at all. Like it just looked like a bunch of muscly men with like really bad coloring. I, mm. I, I hate 90s comics coloring. <laughs> I like it flat. <laughs> and then manga was always just this safe haven. But we're also, for some reason in Japan, there's just like way more female creators into manga and it's it's not even like an issue there like no one even cares it seems like
0: well so I mean I primarily read only manga when I was in junior high and high school I didn't start reading any of the more mainstream stuff until I got older. Until I started like going to a comic book shop more and saying, well, if I like this, what else is there? There's one called like Oh my goddess. <laughs> and oh, the first issue. Oh gosh, so. Yeah, and the first issue I ever picked up on that one though was where the youngest sister gets her period. <laughs> and I just remember it, like it blew my mind cuz I was like this is not written for boys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they
0: do not want to read this, but I just remember reading it being like, yes, Love that one. Yeah. And because like, you know, she's kind of embarrassed by it, but at the same time her powers kind of fritz out. That's like (laughs) how you feel when your body starts to change on you. And I wasn't finding a lot of that in Western comics. And the fact that you bring those themes into your books is really exciting because it's more accessible in a lot of ways. It's showing that these tropes are becoming more widespread. And that's really exciting, but it also makes it more accessible because it's really easy to get a copy of Hench Girl, I think, a lot of times more than some of these other more obscure things that people haven't even heard of anymore yeah. that I was reading. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, is Sailor Moon, like, your number one Magic favorite? Girl,
1: Girl show? It's tough because, well, Sailor Moon was, like, the OG I made a, my own Sailor Scout. She wasn't Sailor Earth. I took some <laughs> random planet, and or like, no, not planet, like some star system. I don't remember what it was.
0: My like, internet handle for years was Sailor Val. <laughs> <laughs> it like Sailor V. Yeah. Oh, no. Why not? That's right. <laughs> That's I also so like obsessed. Madoka
1: Magica a lot. <gasps> Have you seen
0: that? Yes.
1: It blew my mind. I it, like,
0: cried the whole time. For those of you who are listening and might not be familiar with it, it actually sort of takes the darker side of yeah. the magical girl trope and runs with it in a very disturbing but also very realistic way. Yeah. Right, and it's this whole idea that we're taking these young innocent girls and and putting them in very real harms way, almost
1: using them like for no, I won't say. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to spoil
0: it for you. I did write an article about it for our blog. Yeah, I and it's, and it's on Netflix. So there's barely an excuse to, to not, I mean, unless you're really unfamiliar with the trope, but even yeah. if you're not, it's still a really interesting watch because the animation is good. Yeah, that's true.
1: My favorite Sailor Moon season is the arc with the, um, I think it's R, the one with Prince Diamond and Esmeralda <laughs> and Chibi turns into the Wicked Lady. Yes! <laughs> that was what made me obsessed with Sailor Moon, actually.
0: I discovered her because I don't even know why but I was up at like 5:30 in the morning and it was on TV on like channel 56 locally around here and I introduced another friend to it and like every morning in the summer because that was long enough for it to get through the first season we would call each other at like 5:30 in the morning like turn the <laughs> ringers off and just like wait for the light to go on the phone and be like okay do you have it on okay wait I have it on too. <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs>
1: I remember we had to go to catechism after school on, like, Tuesdays or something, and so I would set one of those tapes, because it was, for me, it was on Toonami after school that I watched Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. and I would get, like, the seven-hour tape, and just, like, get it going in the morning and come
0: home and... <laughs> Fast forward
1: right
0: to the end because <laughs> the
1: cartoons
0: I had missed when I was at, like, church. Oh my
1: gosh, amazing.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I just love how it's sort of become this rite of passage slash, like, touch point for... Many mo- generations, for- actually. Yeah, exactly. And and I have pushed my little sister <laughs> to, to get into it. I mean, it, what's great is that now it's not, like, if she doesn't, if she's not into Sailor Moon, there's so many other things. Yeah. Like, she enjoys Agents yeah. of the Realm, I think, a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, Than maybe Sailor Moon because it does date itself. I don't a think little so. Bit. Actually, I
1: just rewatched it recently with the nineties resurgence. Kids nowadays should watch Sailor Moon even more. That would
0: be cool. <laughs> now, wait, did you watch the Did you watch the dub or the Japanese?
1: I watched the Japanese one. The dub. I watched that one when I had to when I was a child. Now it's time for the real
0: version. I <laughs> you know I get torn between like being a purist and not a purist because I don't have the same nostalgia feelings without the horrible Canadian accents. (laughs) (laughs) Serena, I'm sorry. (laughs) And also, of course, the naming conventions. And that was your first time actually writing like a full story arc at once. How was that experience over something like Hench Girl, which was years in the making? It was
1: totally different. So first of all, with Making Friends, I honestly, I just had one really productive day where I laid the whole thing out. I went for, like, a really long walk in this fun park near me where I like to go to think. And then I came home. I just, like, wrote everything down on little note cards and just put it all together like that. And then spent the next, like, week just writing it and revising it. So I wrote it really quickly. <laughs> but then I revised it a lot over the course of a couple of months. But with Hench Girl... So I was doing it as a webcomic, mm-hmm. so I was only doing a couple of pages a week, so it was more of, like, a slow, steady grind over the course of many years while I was working at, like, a desk job. Now, had you already had the storyline for
0: Hinch Girl set?
1: No, I didn't know what I was doing with Hinch Girl actually. <laughs> I mean, it figured itself out, and I was definitely trying my best at the time. Uh huh. I'm very proud of how it came out, but... I thought I was going to do a one issue comic. You know, first I thought I was going to do like a three page comic about a road eating people and a hench girl being like these mean streets eat you up and spit you out. And then I was like, <laughs> who is this character? I want to get to know her. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I did you ever make that little one? That was like page 3 of hench girl. So then I just made the rest of it around it. Oh and my I just, gosh. I was kept trying to keep it small because I know everyone says keep your first works shorter so that you can move on to other things but I kept having ideas and I didn't really want to let go of that world yet so it turned
0: into an 11 issue whole thing I still don't want to let go I still hope that you're gonna write a sequel
1: I have an idea because
0: it's set up
1: I did in a way <laughs>
0: That you could, I'm just saying. I always,
1: leave, I always leave it open so that I can hop back in. I don't always do
0: it. That little thing that you just said, too, about the, these streets eat you up alive, like, that's what I also find really endearing about your work is their sense of humor. Oh, thank you. I always tell people, I'm like, if you ever read anything that Kristen has drawn, make sure that you're looking at the background. <laughs>
1: Yeah, do it, because I put all this work into it. I'm writing tiny
0: things. It's so it's so like, great.
1: Look, there's one panel where you see
0: a book. <laughs> I wrote an entire page of words to go in a book. Yeah, it says criminals don't plan around your schedule. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> but like just little things like things that are written on mugs and background posters and even like store signs are hilarious and so wonderful. You remember those paintings that were like
1: an overhead shot of, like, a farm and, no, like, a city, a town. And then there's, like, little tiny houses and it's, like, an Americana style of painting. Okay. And you see everyone in an entire town. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like artisanal. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, really into those when I was, like, a little child because you could see every person in the town and see what they're doing. Even if it's not a joke, I like there being little tiny details so that it feels like it's
0: reality. And it's just another really wonderful place for you to display your sense of humor. (laughs) Also, and some of the puns are so great. I'm going to actually use this as a weird segue to talk about modern fantasy, because you're drawing that and it's written by Rafer Roberts. Yeah. And that must be another new experience for you. It's because with Hench Girl and with Making Friends, you were the author. Uh So how is it now working with somebody else who's sort of Creatively driving the bus in (laughs) some ways. (laughs) It's great. It's really great. With Hench Girl and even
1: with Making Friends, I mean, with Making Friends, I had an editor. When I work on my own things, you're kind of like, you're alone in the decision making process. So sometimes you just have to be like, I hope this is right. I hope people will like this. But having a collaborator who's working so closely on it, I mean, he wrote it so honestly. Okay. It's, it, you just have like another person to just like spitball ideas off of and to just figure things out with. And Rafer is a really great writer. So any questions I had, he would help me out versus with my own stuff. I have to figure it out on my own. And it's really good that having two different minds working on something, you get such different things. So does he send you like a script? Yeah, he sends me a script, and I read through it. We all kind of throw out, like, ideas and stuff, like, in terms of notes, usually not a lot. And then I do layouts, and then we do a tweak again, Mm -hmm. usually right for, like, to move his dialogue around and stuff. I always do that, too, with my own stuff. I'm revising the words at, like, the 11th hour. Uh Yeah, and then I just kind of draw it and send him pictures of it while I'm working on it. And I'll be like, hey, what's a funny thing to write on this deli sign? And he'll be like, here you go. Here's a funny gag. And I'm like, thanks.
0: So who he came, thought of a lot of that? So who came up with Lady Foot Monster?
1: Oh, that's knows me! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. And it's like, really weird and disturbing, it's probably <laughs> <up with> me. <laughs> I will often be reading these before I go to bed or something, and I will just start cracking up. And my husband's like, what? And I'm like, lady foot monster? Like, why? She's got a shop somewhere. <laughs> it's so great. And then there was the other one that was like the fun run from Mordor to... That one was Rafer's, and I remember it. It was 111
1: Shire to Mordor fun run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So probably we should back up a little bit and talk about what the comic book is actually about. <laughs> um, the main character's name is Sage. Sage. <laughs> no, Sage but, sorry. The, the main character's name is Sage, and she has a horrible desk job, but she really, truly dreams of being a hero. And like, that's all I kind of want to tell you, because... It's this wonderful kind of modern world that has these sort of Dungeons and Dragons classic fantasy elements in it. And they're used in such a clever and fun way that this too is like one of my favorite things that have come out this year.
1: Thank you. It's
0: so fun. And I haven't read issue four yet. Um, Go pick it up. (laughs) Yeah, please get all four of them if you can get your hands on them. They are available. You can get them on Amazon if your shop can't order them for you. And they're such a fun, quick read, but if you are a fan of fantasy in any way, you're going to have so much fun with these. And you can read them more than once, because there's all these jokes and all these things that are (laughs) hidden inside the layers. How long is the run for it?
1: This is the last issue, so it's four issues. So
0: it's going to actually have a full arc? Yeah. At four? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) We're hoping to do more. (laughs) We want to do more. We're going to definitely pitch more.
0: Lizard, wizard, wizard, lizard, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the design of him is also so fun. Oh, I just really like the way he's drawn.
1: Oh, he's I am so drawing him. Actually, <laughs> I,
0: you want to have things figured out when you
1: start drawing a comic, but mm-hmm. obviously, as you do it, you kind of get the person's character. And by the end, I'm just like, I love drawing lizard wizard. Like he's kind of like a little mascot in a way. But he has like the personality of like a person. He's, yeah. He's not like a, just a lizard. He's a.
0: He's, a, he's a, also a he's wizard. a slacker. <laughs> yeah, he's a wizard. He's a
1: wizard. who's a wizard. Yeah,
0: he's, but yeah, yeah, he's also a slacker. Was there anything challenging that you find about partnering with someone or about modern fantasy in general? Because it is a slightly different kind of style from your other books where you're drawing a lot more human characters. Mm-hmm. And modern fantasy gives you an opportunity to draw things that are very clearly not human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's actually been the most fun part. In some ways, it's easier to draw crazy monsters than it is to draw like, just a normal person. Really? Because you know, like, it's like one is like, you just get to go all crazy and do whatever you want, mm-hmm. and nothing is wrong, as long as you make it look okay. But with a person, you're like, that's wrong. That's too many arms. <laughs> with a monster, you're like, no one can tell me that's too many arms. And I, I find a
0: lot of freedom <laughs> in that. That's an amazing point. It's true. No one can tell me that that a monster has too many arms. <laughs> <laughs> no one can tell me that lady foot monster.
1: Yeah. She is how she is meant to be. What lady foot monster are you going to compare her to?
0: It's true. <laughs> now I'm hoping that, like, everybody's going to go back and be like, where is this mentioned? Where is she? It's, like, better than where's Waldo. Find her because she's worth it. <laughs> So what other projects do you have coming up that you're allowed to tell us about?
1: Actually, I am allowed to talk about book two of Making Friends. Um, Yeah, cat's out of the bag. Here's my official announcement. I was like, I emailed them. I was like, can I talk about this?
0: They said yes. All right. Um, Tell everyone tomorrow at the con. I will.
1: I will tell people.
0: Making Friends book two
1: is something that I'm currently all in on, working on that. Once I'm done with that, I have to figure out some career stuff, like what to do next. But the thing about making an entire graphic novel in like less than a year is that you don't have a lot of time to do all the other things that you're
0: supposed all the to do. other creative yeah. things.
1: So I'm like trying not to have new ideas mm-hmm. right now because I don't have time. But I've been just like writing down scraps of ideas on like post-it notes, and I have a couple that are like. It's like they're all on the back burner, just like slowly bubbling.
0: So I went to a conference slash training a while back. They were talking about engagement of like the work that you do and like how happy you are doing it. And this gentleman was talking about how the company takes one day a year where they tell their employees, you know what? Whatever you had planned and whatever we told you to do today, ignore that. We want you to spend today doing the one thing. Related to your work that you've been wanting to do, dying to do, dreaming of doing, wanting to brainstorm about, and that's what you're going to do today. And Everything else gets to go on the back burner. So what is the thing that you're going to do? So Kristen, if someone came to you and said that, <laughs> draw whatever you want, do whatever you want, like don't worry about your deadlines, don't worry about all these other things that you're working on, what would you do that day? I Honestly, I guess I have a
1: pretty charmed life because I would... Well, you can't tell me don't think of it. Like, I know my deadline is there. <laughs> it's this freaking book. But I think I would just be making comics and writing comics, you know, because I do it all. Part of the reason I do it all is because just doing the one thing gets tiring after a while, no matter what. Even if it's writing, I think, is probably the most fun part. Mm-hmm. No, oh, maybe drawing. Okay, I'm not sure. But, like, writing is really fun, but there comes a point where you're like, okay, I need to stop writing and draw something so uh-huh. I can refill the bar uh-huh. of writing. It's like Sims. Yes. <laughs> they don't have writing bars, but you know, you get the idea. So I like to switch off between all of the things. The only thing that makes me miserable is when I have too much work to do and not enough time. Uh-huh. And then you have to make that decision of, like, do I do a bad job? hand this in on time? Do I do a good job, in late? Or do I just,
0: like, <laughs> watch TV and figure it out later? Hopefully the second one. So, not even, like, is there a specific comic or project you would work on? I like doing my own stuff. So, assuming I'm
1: really rich, I would probably just be writing my own things.
0: Just... Doing your own thing, self publishing. Like,
1: no, no, I would be published by like the greatest publisher. And in
0: this fantasy, the New York Times
1: calls me a genius. Yes. I have to use <laughs> that word.
0: <laughs> Specifically, a genius.
1: And then so that's part of my job.
0: Like the best. <laughs> Hypothetically, the New
1: York Times calls me a genius. I would do any random comic, big two. I think it'd be fun. Mm hmm. As an experiment,
0: but I have no idea if I would do a good show. Actually, that's a great question. If Marvel or DC came to you and they were like, "Hey, Kristen, do you want to do a run of blank?" I would say yeah to
1: whatever it was, and I have to research. Is
0: there anything that you would? I guess a great example is what if you had your chance for a Squirrel Girl, okay, right? Yeah, that kind of thing. I yeah, would, like I would just kill it at it. But
1: see, <laughs> in that case, I would want to. Be given either a dusty old property that no one knows about, right. or get to make up my own thing, and then mm-hmm. I would make my own squirrel girl, chipmunk lady.
0: <laughs> chipmunk <laughs> lady. It's true though, because I think in some cases the more modern characters can be a little too sacred. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. You don't- Although <laughs> right, as much as as, as much as I would love to see what <laughs> you would do with Wonder Woman, <laughs> that might be a talk for like the
1: after party. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I I would do such. I don't know. I feel like I have like a cool story. For all of the characters, but just like one, I couldn't write like a long multi.
0: Okay, so I'm seeing I'm seeing you doing one of those, not an anthology, but like yeah, a little what do. if, quick oh, little like short. An annual. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like
1: whatever.
0: But there's no specific. I could list a million characters that I think I would like to see you.
1: Yeah. Well, I try guess I would love to do something with various X Men. Mm-hmm. Especially like the main. X Men, but I don't think that's ever. Gonna, I
0: don't know. You never know. You never know. Nowadays, you, you never know. Yeah, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can be reached at my website. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your sort of history with drawing and your background.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: So, did you start writing and drawing when you were young? Can you want to talk about your progression a little bit? <laughs>
1: yeah. So I always wrote just for fun. I would always just make up random places, like worlds, Mm -hmm. world building. I did a lot of that and like drawing maps. And then, yeah, I think when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I started drawing little comics all over the place. It was like how I would have little fantasies. It was almost just like a doodle, but in a comic format. And I would make comics for my friend. Patricia McCarthy (laughs) I would make little like gag comics for her and I would like giggle about during class she actually saved some of them and sent them to me and it was really cool and I was like oh my god my old horrible gag comics but I had like long-running series they were just like drawn on lined paper and they were terrible but when I was a kid I just drew comics all the time and then I took a break for a really long time.
0: I think the fact that you're willing to say they were terrible, but I kept doing them is really telling. Yeah, I am
1: inwardly motivated. Well, <laughs> Unfortunately, I've like, always had a long block of things to get better at. But
0: it's also a good lesson for anybody else who is young and dreaming of writing and drawing. Go ahead, take lined paper and just cover it Yeah. with whatever nonsense you want. Because it's a process.
1: It is. It is. You have to log those 10,000 hours to get good at things. <laughs>
0: They're a painful 10,000 hours
1: of really bad art. But actually, I feel like if I were to go back in time and tell my younger self some art advice, mm-hmm. I would say, work harder at what you're doing. Really? You slow down. I wanted to get my ideas out so fast that my stuff was very illegible. Uh, like not just the writing either but just like visually I don't know. it's always like no I that, understand
0: what you're saying like sometimes like, um, balancing act yeah sometimes it's very hard especially if we're talking about like any sort of action right to show that visually that's the thing I think that often impresses me most is someone who can draw action sequences or like these stories in ways that are not only clear storytelling but engaging and interesting yeah
1: yeah that's, it's always hard at and backgrounds <laughs>
0: <laughs> backgrounds are hard yeah <laughs> definitely very hard I don't know if I had my way I would just have your characters walk around in places where there's like billboards and like <laughs> bulletin boards <laughs> all the time just to force
1: you to <laughs> in making friends book two I'm drawing those giant bookshelves and I'm just like man I'm running out of books that I know of that I can make character titles
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that makes me so excited <laughs> You're talking to the girl who, when I went to Disney World, there is a restaurant, it's called the Skipper Canteen, and it's based on the Jungle Cruise. In the restaurant, everyone, there is a bookshelf. Oh. And every single one of those books is labeled with some hilarious, terrible pun. I was there taking pictures of all of that. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I should know that no reference. <laughs> so I actually am very pro this. So when you were younger, you were drawing and writing everything.
1: Yeah. And then when I went to college, by that point, I had kind
0: of given up on the idea of doing comics. So what did you go to school for?
1: Not for art. I went to George Washington University, and I studied English literature and Spanish literature. Okay. Double major. With minor in painting. I would take an art class every semester, Mm -hmm. and by the end, I just had that minor. But actually, when I was in college, at one point, I actually got really bad grades that year because sophomore year of college, I started a webcomic. Oh, did you? Yeah. This was also bad, but by this point, I had at least gotten a little bit better at art where people could read what I was doing. Where's yeah. that
0: webcomic now? It's still online. Is it's, it really? It's Misfit Assassin.
1: Everyone. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> No one. No one. You don't have to read it. The only reason to read it is to feel better about if you think that you're bad at comics. Because I have had books published, and I also made that comic. (laughs) It shows what you've learned and how you've grown. Exactly. Exactly. I got really, really so obsessed with it. I remember that spring break of that year. Every other spring break, I can remember everything that happened. It was like, oh, I was having fun with my friends or doing something. And mm-hmm. in that case, it was just a blank because the whole time I was just drawing comics, but I was like the happiest ever. Really? Yeah. I, I just remember taking that entire
0: week just to sit at home and just draw comics. Okay. Yeah. So then you graduated with so your two majors and one minor yeah and a scrapped
1: webcomic because at that point then I got a boyfriend and it was like <laughs> oh I don't need to make a comic that's all about me wanting a boyfriend anymore. <laughs> it was like it was about this girl who was clearly me Except she had, like, a pet snake and she did martial arts and stuff. It sounds cool when you describe it. (laughs) She had two different boys and she couldn't decide which one to go for. And I was like, oh, she has so many boys to choose from. Very obviously. Like a harem comet, right? Like Once again, we're bringing this back to manga. (laughs) Exactly. Except also every character had a tragic past. Because yes. I had been watching Naruto, and I was like, so, Naruto makes me like the characters by revealing a tragic past and then killing the
0: character. Right, right. Like <laughs> Showing you why they're so screwed up and weird. Yeah, <laughs> having them be horrible and mean,
1: and then be like, oh, but they're sad. But there's a reason. Like, I, you, I, <laughs> yeah. I yes. was like, I'll take that alchemy and I'll give everyone in this a sad past. Yes. Actually, kind of, like, that works in some degree as a writing technique sure yeah it's weird it's just like,
0: and like puts no, you on their
1: side well
0: right and at the same time I'm like I'm not opposed to that like <laughs> I, can, I can I love tragic paths it is a trope that is commonly used and I do not run away from that trope yes.
1: The, the woobie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> according to TV tropes I've never said that word out loud it's so very weird I also really enjoy all the names or tropes that people come up with. So, so then how did Hench Girls come um, to being? And oh god, yeah, actually, wait, no, after Misfit Assassins,
1: uh huh. Then I did a watercolor comic.
0: Is that also still online? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. It's called the Optimist. The Optimist. They're all on Drunk Duck, which was where I was posting all my comics back in the day. Like this was like ten years ago, or something. Uh huh. And then I took a really long break because I was like, eh, comics aren't really panning out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i tried to be in a band and then I well went... wait 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 well you were in a band yeah i was Ooh. in a band <laughs> and what would you do Did you play I an instrument you was a singer yeah
1: that's so fun well, i don't really play many instruments very well so i had to <laughs> be a singer. I've always have a lot of artsy feelings to express but not necessarily the technical <laughs> prowess to back it up but then what happened was my boyfriend one of his friends was doing a convention, and Mm so I was like, oh, I've never been to a comic convention before. Let me check it out. And we went there. It was my first con. It was so crazy. I was very bowled over. We went there, and afterwards they had this drink and draw where they had a contest, and the prize was a comics-making class really i won the prize and i was like i have to make a comic now so i can take this class and that's how i came up with hench girl that's amazing that's That's so great i know it's really there's always these weird moments where you're like if they hadn't given me that prize i would not have gotten into comics because the class taught me what paper to use and like how to draw comics where was this class New York Art Students League. Oh. Yeah. It was actually a really good class, and anyone who's in the New York area listening to this, check out their comics class, because that's how I definitely learned how
0: to make comics. That's so interesting. So then you just decided to put it online, because you were making it... I remembered from my old webcomic days that it had kept me
1: on a schedule to post Uh it online, so I kind of went back there. And then my boyfriend was like, you should print it up and sell it at conventions. And I was like, no, but then I did it. (laughs) It was great. And that's kind of how I kind of got my career momentum by meeting publishers Mm -hmm. at conventions where I'd been selling
0: my self-published. That's awesome. Yeah. And the rest, as we say, is history. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're doing concert. Are you going to be in New York Comic Con? Yeah. So if for some horrible reason you cannot be at Ladies' Con yeah. or you're not at Ladies' Con or didn't get to go because this Ladies' Con is tomorrow and this podcast will be up way after that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to check Kristen's stuff out. So what is your new site?
1: KristenGudsNook.com There you go. But also my Twitter is at HenchGirl. That's what I score. was thinking of.
0: Yeah. is because, yes, you're still at HenchGirl, but if someone's looking for you...
1: <laughs> Well, funny thing is, my sister took K Gutsmuck. She's a fellow K Gutsmuck, and I hadn't what? taken it.
0: Well, so. you like, but I'm more famous, so you should give it to <laughs> she me. <just> me. tweets <laughs> all my tweets all the time. So basically, if they you want to. They it's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Chris, I think that's about our time. So we're gonna wrap things up. Thanks again for coming over and fitting us in before the craziness that is ladies Ladies (laughs) time. Because now we're pretty much gonna be taking up your time for the rest of the weekend. My pleasure. So thanks again. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the Ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter. And if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.